Today on CityCast Chicago. And Justice Watches Charles Preston and Chicago readers Kelly Garcia are in the building for another weekly rewind. It's Friday, October 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Kelly, Charles, welcome back to the show. I appreciate y'all stopping through on CityCast. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Before we jump into looking back on y'all's stories this week, um, y'all know it's spooky season. I don't know if y'all are big fans of the Halloween uh, time of the year, but the question I wanted to ask y'all this morning, if money or time was no obstacle, what would be your go-all-the-way-there Halloween costume? I really want to be a Teletubbies. Like, I want to be the full-fledged <laughs> Teletubbies, that whole, co- you know what I'm saying? Like, I want the whole uh-huh. little baby sunshine and the cookies or pancakes, whatever they were. I don't know why. I just which, really wanted to be in that costume. Which Teletubby? They like the Ninja Turtles for kids. They all got the different colors. <laughs> I mean, Ninja Turtles is for kids, but you know what I mean? Even even smaller kids. Are you Dipsy? Are you Lala? Are you Tinky Winky? Or are you Poe? <laughs> like, who are you, G? Um, Poe, Poe, I think Poe was mine because it was a red, yeah, the red one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Wow, you're giving me flashbacks here. <laughs> now, I, I remember, I don't know if I was around when the show premiered, but I definitely watched it uh, with with a real kind of obsessive eye as a kid of like, what the hell is going on right now? And why is that baby in the sky? Like, exactly. just, just up there. the sun, just, just, just chilling. <laughs> uh, that baby probably a millionaire. <laughs> oh, my uh, Charles, money is no object. Time is no object. Makeup, the design. So, I, I'm, no, glad, no I'm glad you said, I'm glad you said money in time is no object because in order for me to pull this costume off, <laughs> I would need, like, years of bodybuilding. But I would want to be, like, the rock. Like, back in, like, WWF era. SmackDown era, Come on, like, like Hall- speedo and everything, <laughs> boots and everything, tattoos and I would want to be the Rock, and then I would really, you know, look, look, I'm not six foot five, I'm not two seventy five, a pure bulk muscle, like, so uh, it, that is definitely a dream. I would need time, about five years, to prepare. Let's look back on the stories from across the city of Chicago that y'all were paying attention to this week. And Kelly, I want to start with you. There's been a lot uh, of, you know, debate, a lot of organizing around getting more civilian oversight over the police. Can you catch us up to speed with what's going on with the new Civilian Police Oversight Commission? So for folks who aren't familiar, the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Coalition, which was passed through an ordinance in city council last year, is barely getting its foot through the door now. Um, So it's a body that has two layers of power here. So they have a seven-member commission that's permanent, and it's appointed by the mayor. And then they also have district councils that will essentially uh, have represented, like, elected officials from each police district in the city. So if you're interested in helping foster that relationship between police and the community, definitely consider running. Um, But it took the mayor over a year to appoint the seven-member interim commissioner commissioners um, that just happened in August. And then they actually just had their first public meeting in September. The problem, and a, a lot of criticism right now, is that they don't have the staff positions that they need to get their work started. Um, they got I enough of have... a budget to give the leader Adam Gross a raise already. 
I, I, yeah, sometimes just reported that too. I think they had their, um, they had a, a budget hearing on Tuesday um, and aldermen were, you know, reasonably making a lot of tough questions to him about why there's been such a slow start. When we look at this commission and we're trying to encourage people to pay attention to it, you know, some people might think it's like, ah, oh, this is just another committee started by the mayor's office that ain't actually going to do a damn thing. What are some of the responsibilities that this, not only the elected uh, captains in each of the, the districts, but also this, you know, appointed commission, what responsibilities fall under their purview? So two of their biggest priorities are going to be to review the police budget which has been under a lot of criticism in the last few years because it's, what, now, like, over $1.23 billion? It's going a lot. I thought it was $1.9 billion, and it's gone up every single budget under the, the current mayor. Right. No, no. And, and, and the commission will be in charge of reviewing that budget. Uh, but they will also be in charge of appointing members to the police board, which is within the Chicago Police Department, and they kind of review some of those misconduct cases within the police department. And I believe that's one of the things that they're struggling to do right now is because there are vacancies on the police board. But this ECPS doesn't have the staff to do the work of finding people to get appointed to this board, of reviewing the candidates. Charles, as Kelly pointed out, decades of organizing compromises um, have gone into uh, to getting this commission put in place. I mean, with what you're seeing now and even just from your own vantage point do you have any you know faith in this commission to carry out its duties and to make any concrete change i say i'm pessimistic when it comes to concrete change i will say that i think people will, will do their jobs to the best of their ability you know i think that's all we can hope for and i think critics of this board are, are pretty much critical of a lot of them are critics of the of policing as an institution in general so um yeah we shall see. Um, by the late spring of next year, the person in charge of appointing people to that commission, the person in charge of of governing our city could be a different uh, individual. And one of the candidates um, people may be familiar with from their their grocery giveaways, their gas giveaways. Charles, can you tell us a little bit about Dr. Willie Wilson and, and, and how he's working to maybe expand the, the communities he serves? I don't want to sound like I'm endorsing the guy, right? <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Willie Wilson, but like, yeah, very charitable millionaire. Uh, I think he's based in the uh, Brownsville community and is running for mayor of Chicago for like, what, the third time, I believe? Yeah, he's a perennial candidate, to, to put it nicely. Yeah, so I was just scrolling my timeline because I get my news from Twitter like most people. Uh, and so like I follow Chicago like city council reporters and I saw Gregory Pratt tweet out, you know, Willie Wilson is announcing endorsements from Latino faith leaders. And I was like, that's interesting because Willie Wilson, one of his critiques and criticism is that he cannot expand beyond black wards and black people's issues and problems. And so when I seen the number of reverends listed and faith leaders in the uh, Latino community endorsing Willie Wilson, I'm like, huh. You know, I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think he's also like listening to the criticism that he gets and like trying to make an adjustment. And I'm also curious as to like what these Latino faith leaders see in Willie Wilson, like to get to give him an, an endorsement, but also with rumors of, you know, Chuy Garcia possibly running also mayor too. And I'm thinking like, you know, how does this play out? What are these dynamics? 
Kelly, have you seen anything throughout this current run for mayor that, that makes you either see Wilson in a different light or, or see that there is some, you know, ex- expanding? No, and I, and I really can't speak to a lot of, you know, Dr. Wilson's efforts on on that. What I can say is that it makes sense, right? Uh, the Latino population in Chicago is growing. Um, the sense is as shy as that we're now a third of the city population. So it makes sense that we're going to start seeing mayoral candidates start pandering to our community. The issues in, in both the Black and Latino community overlap. And candidates need to start paying real attention to that, too. So I think a lot of aspiring uh, office seekers and politicians and all, you know, they often seek endorsements from community leaders that they see as representatives of our community. Um, but our community is wide. It's uh, it's wide ranging. It's uh, it's complex. And so, you know, I really try to stay away from how candidates are seeking endorsements from Latino leaders or how they're starting to pander to us if they're not doing that work right on the ground. But, you know, I admire his efforts. He's an ambitious man. Um, I think it sets a uh, precedent for other candidates to also start paying attention to our community as well. Um, so that's what I'll say. Kelly, we, we've talked about police oversight. We've talked about mayoral politics. But but a story that you want to make sure people don't kind of uh, ignore or miss this week has to do with the the power aldermen have uh, to make uh, choices within city council. Uh, can, can you break that down for us? The city council has various committees, right? So they have an education committee. They have public safety committee. They have a housing committee. There's a long list. I'm not even going to pretend to know all of them. Um, but for a long time, traditionally, I would say maybe even before the first daily, the mayor has picked the chairs of the city council committees. Pretty rubber stamp. They just go, they pick them and then aldermen just like push them through. Exactly. Um, and these committees are powerful, right? They're not just like these, uh, like committees that, you know, kind of are symbolic or, or, you know, don't do anything. They have a budget. They have a staff. They're the ones who set the agenda for what the larger council will vote on, right? Um, but as we know, recently there's been a wave of departures from longtime aldermen, um, and Michelle Smith was one of them. She was the chair of the ethics committee. And so last month, the vice chair of the ethics committee, Matt Martin, he introduced a resolution essentially appointing himself to be the new chair of the ethics committee. Now, unless I'm wrong, I have never seen an alderman appoint themselves, make themselves a chair of the committee. And of course, the council still has to vote on that. But I think that's a really powerful move. And I think it speaks to a shift in city council of aldermen who are seeking independence from the mayor, right? Um, If aldermen can start choosing their chairpersons for each of the committee, the people can have a bigger say on what the city council will have to vote on. Um, but I think it's going to be really important to to watch where that resolution goes. Mm-hmm. And and I want to remind like CityCast listeners, like if you go through our episodes and you think of like, you know, what's the future of a soccer stadium in a neighborhood? When you think about ward remapping, when you think about the, the city's budget, a lot of these start in a committee, then go to city council. So many things die in committee. So many ordinances never make it to city council based on how committees are ran, how they're organized. And, and, and so this this has a, a huge 
uh, stake in our day-to-day operations inside of our city. Um, Charles, I know something that Injustice Watch does throughout elections is to try to make sure people are paying attention to who are your judges. So we're going into the elections in less than a month. Uh, can you put us on and how can we learn more about the judges in our on our ballot? So, yeah, injusticewatch.org slash judges. Just go there. Go to our Twitter page, our Instagram page. We're, all, we're, we're only talking about judges this season. So it's judges, judges, judges. Uh, every two years, judges go up for retention, and it's a lot of them. And there's no way the ordinary voter can just sit and do research on every single judge up for retention. What what's what's retention? Is 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 that like a yay or nay on you standing your position? Yeah. So like so like yeah. Earlier, um, in June, we were voting on electing judges to their seats, and now. We have to vote on judges retaining their seats. So it's either yes or no. Hopefully people go and look at our guide, but also we have a couple of ballot parties planned in which we, you can come by, uh, get you some guides for your community and your neighbors and whatnot, but also talk to Injustice Watch staff about judges and reporters. I think, you know, this is one of the most important parts of the ballot because judges weigh on so many decisions, child custody, evictions, other, other criminal offenses. Um, so like people are more likely to face a judge or meet a judge rather than any other elected official. And you probably won't meet a uh, Lori Lightfoot, but you will have a traffic ticket that you want to contest. We'll drop a link to the Injustice Watch Guide. Again, it's very helpful. You'll get different icons that, you know, a little shorthands that let you know, you know, if they were former prosecutors, if they got past controversy or negative ratings. Um, if, if you go online and fill out a, a sample guide, you can print that out and take it with you in the booth because it, it is very hard uh, to stay up on just every race that's happening on the ballot. And so uh, we appreciate guys where we can get them. Every single episode, every single week, we try to wrap our, our shows up with uh, some good news to get the people through the weekend, to get them through the day, to get them through the last few minutes of the episode. Kelly, I want to start with you. What's some good news that's popping up uh, around the city of Chicago that you want to put people on? A staple of the Pilsen community, Memo's Hot Dog, is opening back up. They will not be shutting down. You can go get your Chicago dogs down the street on 18th. Go do it. Go support them. Um, they were getting bullied by the city of Chicago for a mural, a Cheech Chong mural on the side of their of their uh, restaurant. But thankfully, uh, the city reinstated their license. Um, I saw them the other day outside selling their hot dogs. And so uh, they're a great family-owned business. They've been here for over 50 years. So you can't miss them. They're like this red, hot, and yellow little storefront. I, I got to ask you, we're talking about hot dogs. Uh, Kelly... You know, how do you like a your Chicago hot dog prepared? I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Okay, listen, I love the onions and the relish. I can't do the tomatoes. I can't do the hot peppers. And I love the mustard. I also have to add ketchup. Come on, I know, no, I know. G, you ain't getting no hate over here. I'm with you. Okay. You ain't getting no hate on this side. Okay, good. Because no I was like, I love my ketchup. Like, I love everything else, but I need the ketchup on there. Um, that's, wow. you know, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I'm I'm with that. I gotta put some ketchup on it. I, I gotta take the peppers off. I'm not gonna lie. Charles, you anti ketchup? I let people live. <laughs> but ketchup. Right, you can fix your answer, but you can't fix your face. Do your face already I let, told I let people me dog. live. Like, you know, don't mind my face. <laughs> wow. no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kick it to you, Charles. What's to your eat wrong. Nah, man, like that that feels like uh what they what they say in the south, uh, like bless your heart. That's that's what that feels yeah, like. Bless your heart. Like, you know, <laughs> get out of here, Charles. Uh what's what's your some good news to get the people through the weekend? So it's fall and Chicago is a very, very artsy place to live. My friend Ricardo Gamboa has a play called hey, Wizards, The Wizards. Come on. Put that it is on. coming out in Pilsen. It premieres tonight. So go and watch that. Go support. I'll be there as well, supporting my friend. I have to plug Eve Ewing's 1919 Medicine Steppenwolf Theater, another play that I want to see. So yeah, go, go out and experience some art in fall Chicago. Hey, get yourself a hot dog from Memos, then go over to the APO Cultural Center, see the Wizards. Uh, the Wizards is on my list. Um, I, I got mad love for Ricardo. Um, I, I recently saw Clyde's at the Goodman, which was fantastic. I saw 1919 this week. We had a conversation with Eve Ewing coming Monday, uh, so make sure y'all come back for that city cast. Uh, my some good news for the week. Uh, while it is fall, and a lot of us are layering up and going inside for, for concerts, for shows, to eat indoors, um, I want you to know that there's still a couple more festivals that are taking place outside, and one is Saturday and Sunday out in Pullman uh, for the Pullman Arts Festival, right? This year's festival is going to uh, be at Arcade Park. It'll have live music, food trucks, visual arts, people selling their art, people making art. Uh, I love going down to Pullman to Arcade Park. Uh, we recently did a neighborhood guide for Pullman and Roseland. And so we'll drop a link in the show notes for that as well. I got to give a huge thank you to our CityCast guest this week, uh, Charles Preston, uh, who works with audience engagement for Injustice Watch, and one of the fantastic reporters from the Chicago Reader, Kelly Garcia. It means a lot that y'all not only answer our emails, but y'all come on and have these wonderful conversations with us. Most, most definitely. Always glad to be here. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. Before I let you go, you know I had to ask the team if money and time was no obstacle, no object, what would be your go-to perfect Halloween costume? Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what's your costume? If I actually had any artistic ability to make this, I would be a McDonald's twirl, chocolate and vanilla ice cream cone. Producer Simone Ali said, what you showing up to the party as? I'd love to actually be able to fly or float. I don't care if I'm a bird, a fairy, an angel. I just want to make a big entrance and a big exit. Newsletter writer City Man, what's your go-to costume? I would get a red custom Britney Spears, oops, I did it again, jumpsuit. Goes for almost $200 on Etsy. Totally worth it. And producer Julia Fioni, uh, if you had all the money and time in the world, what would be your perfect costume? My choice would be Furiosa from the 2015 film Mad Max Fury Road. And me, I ain't gonna lie, I struggled with this one for a while, but if I had all the money in the world, I'm showing up as Master Piccolo. I'm talking fully painted green, uh, purple jumpsuit, white jacket with the pointy shoulder pads and the turban. I'm, I'm coming full Ray's Gohan Master Piccolo. 
Now I gotta know, what are some of your favorite costume ideas? You can let us know by leaving us a voicemail at 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your neighborhood, and your perfect costume. I want to make sure I give a huge thank you to the people who make the music we all love to listen to. That's all the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and Sam Thousand. Our last thank you is for you. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. I could just hear this tomorrow, and then the music comes up.